And I believe the answer to the problems that are in our society and in our church is the true worship of God. And we can't worship God in truth if we don't worship the true God. And so I just share some of these things with you to set God before you. And I want to set the Father before you this morning. The Father by love, through love, and far love, He gives. He gives His greatest. He gives His heart. He does not give His least. He does not give enough. He gives superfluous. He gives not in regard to the receiver's appreciation. He gives because of His love, unconditionally. He gives not on the benefactors deserving His best. He gives His best because His love can only give the best. His giving is the manifestation of His loving. He is calculating and extravagant. His great giving is not based on the benefactor receiving or understanding the priceless demonstrations of His love. He simply gives His treasures because He loves. He loves completely and perfectly. He cannot love less. He does not love by degrees. All he does is perfect. His loving is perfect. His loving is more than enough. Whether it is received or crucified, he loves and because he loves, he gives. He does not give in stages. He does not give in degrees. His judgments are in degrees, but he does not love that way. He gives his love gifts to save those he loves. He gives it all so that the lifeline is complete and lacking nothing. The benefactors of his love will never be able to say that his love lacked. Forever his love is wounded and scarred. By the benefactors of those who hated his heart. He is a father to the fatherless and a champion of the widows. The father that sets the lonely in families. He breaks the chains of those in bondage. Our Father loads us with blessings. He forgives all of our iniquities. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems our life from destruction. He covers us with tender mercies so as not to crush us. He satisfies us. He is the merciful and gracious Father. He is very gentle and slow to anger. He will not deal with us according to our sins. His mercy reaches into the heavens. And he has put away our sins as far as the east is from the west. He has a father's pity toward us. He knows us, our frame, our days, our weaknesses, our tears, the hair upon our head. Our Lord has no equal. No God is like him. Lift up your eyes and behold who has created these things that brings out their host by number. He calls them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For he is strong in power and not one fails. There is none like God who rides upon the heaven to your help. And in his excellency in the sky. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before you. And shall say, destroy them. Happy are those, O people, who are saved by the Lord. So why sayest thou, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, neither is weary? 
There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men will utterly fail. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Our Father in heaven loves his enemies. He blesses those who curse him. He is good to those who hate him. Our Father in heaven is our provider. Relieving us from the worry and the stress of what we are to eat or drink or wear. Our Father gives good things to his children. And seeks their loving and adoring worship. He is the God of all comfort. For he has adopted us as his children. And begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of the dead. Assuring us of an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled. That will not tarnish and is waiting in heaven for us. And yes, our father will get us there. He will get us home. In the strength of his arms, in the power of his love, and through the measures of his measureless grace. For he is the God of peace, and by the blood of the everlasting covenant of his beloved son Jesus, he will make us perfect in every good work to do his will. He will work in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom will be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And this is our father, just a snapshot of him, but how worthy he is of our worship. It's an amazing thing that very few people in the church today recognize and love God as the father. Even though Paul said in Romans chapter 8 that we have not received the spirit of bondage again. We have not received the spirit of the world, but we've received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we might cry, Abba, Father. One of the most unique things about Jesus Christ was his reference to God as father. It is very rare if you read the Old Testament and the greatest men and women of the Old Testament to acknowledge God as father. But when Jesus Christ, the incarnate son of God, came to the earth, he referred to him frequently as father. And made one of the grandest, most wonderful statements that he could make. I go to my father and your father. And gave us authority. As he said to us, up to this point, you have not asked the father anything. But now I give you my name. That you might go before the father yourself. And whatever you ask him, believing it shall be done for you. So that he might be glorified. There was something so incredible about the relationship of Jesus Christ and his father. And I wanted to read a couple of things to you about Jesus. And some of the things that he commented on. The Bible says that after Jesus fed 5,000 men. Had them eat and they were completely satisfied. That after he dismissed the crowds. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray to his father. And with his father, he prayed well into the night. And he was there alone. In another passage in Mark, it says that when Jesus dismissed a particular crowd, 
that he went away alone into the mountain to pray to his father. Luke says during those days that Jesus would go out to the mountains and he would pray and he would spend all night before his father in prayer. Jesus had a custom of rising very early in the morning. Even while it was still dark, he would get up and he would go out and he would find a deserted place and there he would pray to his father. When the news of Jesus spread even more throughout the world and large crowds would come and gather around Jesus Christ and be healed of their sicknesses, as most men would thrive on this type of attention, not Jesus. For his contentment and his joy was always with his father. And the Bible would say that in the midst of these large crowds that would follow Jesus, he would often withdraw to deserted places to pray. Luke chapter 5. When Jesus came to Gethsemane with his disciples, he instructed his disciples to sit by and pray. And he said that I will go a bit further. And when Jesus did, he fell down. And with his face to the ground, he prayed, My Father... While he was praying in a certain place, his disciples came to him. And after all that they witnessed, after all that they beheld, after all of the miracles, they didn't sit with Jesus and say, teach us how to do miracles. Teach us how to answer Pharisees. Teach us how to escape demonic strongholds. But they said, teach us how to pray. Because there was something in the intimacy that Jesus had with his father that had never been expressed by any man that had ever lived before. And when Jesus Christ came and through his blood and his sacrifice, he threw the doors open to the presence of his father. So you see, salvation is not simply the effort of God and his strategy to keep you out of hell. But the chief desire of God is to adopt every one of you as his sons and daughters so that you would treat him as father. And you wouldn't be estranged and distant and far away from God, hoping one day that when you die, you don't go to hell and you get to go to heaven. But rather, it was God's desire that you would know him now on earth in intimacy and love and joy. That you would know him as father. That you would know that all that he has is yours. And he shared it all with you. That he would state so confidently that if I gave you Jesus, I gave you my greatest gift. Therefore, everything else that I have, it's all freely yours. Come to your father and receive it. But people don't. They stay at a distance. They get preachers to pray for them. They get the anointed to pray for them. They get celebrities to pray for them. They get prayer groups to pray for them. They get intercessors to pray for them. Because they don't understand that they too are children. And God is their father. And oh, how God gave us the Holy Spirit so that we might know that. Jesus said, so that the world might know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commands me. And I guess one of the greatest things that Jesus wanted the world to know is that I love the Father. 
And nobody has made me want to love the Father more than Jesus Christ has. All I can think about is when I look at the life of Jesus Christ, it makes me wonder how absolutely magnificent and excellent my heavenly Father is. When I consider Jesus, when he said to the disciples, when they were coming to arrest him and he was standing in his trials and he was being mocked and he was about to be crucified. And he said to those that were weeping for him and he said to his disciples, don't you know that I have at my disposal right now legions of angels that I could call to my side. But because I love my father. I'm going to allow men to strip my clothes from me and parade me through the streets of Jerusalem, whipped and beaten and bloody, carrying a cross to a place called Calvary because I want y'all to know how much I love my father. And if that father so enraptured the heart of the son, Jesus, I can't wait to see him. And Jesus even prayed that in John chapter 17. Oh, father, I long that they might be with us so that they can behold the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world. Oh, father, that they might know that as you've loved me, you have loved them. Oh, church, that you might know that today. That as the Father loves the Son, Jesus, He loves you. Because He can do nothing but love perfectly. And He doesn't love you like that because you deserve it. Because who among us does? Jesus is the only one that did. He was the only Son that the Father could say, My beloved in whom I'm well pleased. And the only pleasure that we give him is the pleasure that the life of the son is living in us. And the redemption of the son that is in us. Jesus made this statement in Matthew 11. Jesus answered and said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Because you've hid these things from the wise and the prudent. And you've revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. For all things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father except the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. How many of you would just begin to pray right now? Jesus, reveal the Father to me. Let me see how lovely the Father is. Let me see how wonderful the Father is. Let me see... The importance of why God wants to be my father. And the truth is, my friend, because your parents died. And you're all orphans. You have no identity. And that truly seems to be the state of most of the world. People are trying to find out who they are. I just want to know who I am. I just want to know what I'm called to be. I just want to know what my purpose is in my life. Who are my people? And that's what the world's trying to do, find themselves. And therefore, you have the confusion all over this world. And especially our country of people don't know what they are. They don't know who they are. They don't know where they are. They don't know what they're going to be. And they're allowing their lives to be totally abused and totally messed up by the dark powers of this world. 
When there is a father in heaven who's saying, I want to adopt you. I want to bring you into my family because your orphans and your parents died in the garden. And you have no identity. You have no covering. You have no provider. You have no father to teach you. You have no father to protect you. You have no father to provide for you. But I want to be that father to you. And no one else will take you in. No one else. And Jesus comes and expresses this father to us in no uncertain terms that he is absolutely incredible. And he wants to adopt you. We pray that God would have his way with all of us. And his life in us. I want you to look at Isaiah 49. Just a few scriptures that I want to read to you this morning. In Isaiah 49, verse 13. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, as many of us have said through many things in our life, and as some of you here today might be suffering and you're saying these things in your heart and in your spirit, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. God answers. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? And it is possible for a woman to do that. And so God says, yes, they may forget. But I will not forget you. I have graven you upon the palms of my hands. And your walls are continually before me. And you know what God is telling us here? You can take the strongest of relationship bonds that a person is to experience in their life. And really nothing would be much more strong than a relationship of the child and a nursing mother. A helpless baby unable to fend for itself, to care for itself. And the mother is there nursing her baby. And God says there, is, there are few relationships and love and sacrifice that will go beyond that relationship right there. And God is trying to tell all of us, can she forget that baby? And yes, she might forget the strongest emotional ties that could exist upon the earth in that type of relationship. She might forget, but I can never forget you. I can never abandon you. I can never turn my back on you. And God is trying to assure us that whatever it may seem like in life, whatever you might be going through in life, he is the God who says, I've graven you on the palms of my hands. You're always before me. You're not an afterthought to me. You're always there. Full of my love. Full of my goodness. All of my mercies extending toward you. You're always there. Psalm 139. David says this. Now David's a unique guy. David was unique in the sense that he was so confident that the Lord loved him. He was so confident that the Lord liked him. David would speak in ways that, that we would maybe even refer to as that, 
they were pals. They were best friends. And David actually believed that about God. We're very close. We're very intimate. Not to the degree that Jesus was, but very intimate. And David says this in Psalm 139. He says, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and you know when I get up. You understand my thoughts from afar off. You surround my path. And when I lie down, you are acquainted with all of my ways. There's not a word in my tongue, but Lord, you know it. Can I say to you this morning that God knows everything about you? He knows your thoughts. He knows what you're going to say next year. He knows what you're going to say 10 years from now. He knows what you're going to say a million years from now. He learns nothing. He knows everything. There is nothing you're hiding from him. And those of you that may have wept and cried out to God, do you see me? Do you see my pain? God says, I absolutely do. I watch you when you sit down. I watch you when you get up. I watch you when you lay down at night and I surround you. I am familiar with all of your ways. I know everything that you do. I know everywhere you go. I know everything that you watch. I know everything that you listen to. I know all of your secrets. I know all of your secret escapes and all of your secret relationships and all of your secret texts and all of your secret Instagrams and all of your secret TikToks. I know everything about you. There is nothing that you can hide from me. Nothing. David said, you've surrounded me before and behind. You've laid your hand upon me. This knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high, I can't attain to it. I don't know how God has all of this desire to know everything about me. And where can I go from you? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning... And dwell in the outermost parts of the sea. Even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the night shall be light about me. And yes, the darkness hides not from you. But the night shines as the day and the darkness as the light are both alike to you. Now listen to this. This God who knows everything about you knows all of your abuses. He knows all of your rejections. He knows all of your excuses. He knows all of your self-pity. He knows all of your reasons why not. You have possessed my reins. You've covered me in my mother's womb. And I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows right well. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance When I wasn't even complete. And in your book all of my members were written. Which in continuance were fashioned. When as yet there was none of them. Now listen to this. If a God knew me. Inside and out like that. And he knew my thoughts. And he knew my ways. And he knew my secrets. I would personally think. That this God. Would not think very well of me. Because 
I don't think very well of myself when I consider the corruption that has been in my life and that I battle on a day-to-day basis. But God's not like us because he's a father. See, I love my children because I'm a father. And you may not love my children, but I do. And you might like to come and explain to me all of the faults and the problems that my children have. And you'll walk away with your judgments. But I will take my children and hold them close to me because I love them. And all of my thoughts towards them will be for good and for blessing. And that's the way God thinks of us. How precious in verse 17 are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. This God is so great, and David was so confident in his love, he could say in verse 23 and 24, Search me. Oh God, know me. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting, because God loves me. We like to go to the beach and sit there, and you just take up a handful of sand. And if you were to look at all of the sand on the shoreline, Of all of the grains of sand, David is saying that your thoughts about me are so precious and they're more than all of this sand. And I've tried that before, that I love my family dearly. And I tried that before and I picked up some sand and I tried to get one little grain and I'd think something about one of my children, all of my children. I'd I'd go through one grain And thinking about something good and precious about them. And how much I love them. And how I want to bless them. And what I want for their life. How I want them to serve God. And walk with God. And the blessings of God upon their life. And you know the things I want for their family. And the things I want for them in their careers. And everything is good. And everything. Their nature. Their character. How I want them to be honorable. And everything. I'm I'm picking out. and, And by the time I'm through it. I've exhausted everything I can think of. And I've got a pile of sand in my hand. And God says here, if you were to take all of that sand up on the beach, I'd I'd never run out of precious thoughts about you. Oh my God, this is amazing. And this God wants me to worship him. And I make excuses as to why not. This God who knows me. This God who could crush me and terrify me with his judgments rather gives me mercy and forgiveness and wants to adopt me as his son and bring me into his family. So I just want to I just want to kind of explain this to you because I feel like this is what the Lord did for me. I was fortunate and I was blessed to have an incredible father. That I still love. We were very close. We did so much together. He was my best man. He was my teacher. He was my provider. We spent time together. We hung out together. 
I can remember even as I was growing up as a teenager in our house. That my dad would be gone before I woke up. And he would drive out to these chemical plants because he was a pipe fitter. He worked with fiberglass as well. And he would come home and he was filthy and he was dirty. And he had glass on him oftentimes. And he was exhausted. And I would just think about when my father would come home, he is working so hard to give me whatever it is he can possibly give me. And the reason I knew that is because when my father would come home and I was in my teenage years, 16, 17, I'm still in high school. When my daddy drove up, I never sat down. When my daddy would drive up into that driveway, if I was home, I would get up and I would go and open the door and I would wait to hug him. And it wasn't because he worked for me. It wasn't because he was out there making so many of these sacrifices, but he loved me and I loved him. And I can remember sometimes my dad would come home and he would smell like resin and stuff like that. And he would come in with grease all over him and I would just jump up to go hug him. He said, don't hug me. I've got glass all over me. It'll get on you and, and everything. Wait till I go and I, I change and I get a shower. And I said, I, I don't want to wait. I just, you, you did that for me. I want to hug you. I learned to wear things. So when he'd come home, I could do that. I love my dad. He was exhausted. He would go and he would <clears throat> take his time to get ready. And then in the afternoons after he had come home and relaxed a little bit, he would go and he would, he would play things with me. He would teach me. He would play baseball with me and basketball with me and and all of these things, he was the best, you know, and he was, he, he would beat me and everything like that. And I would just say, what do you do at work? You shoot basketball all day, you know, and everything else. And it was just like, but I, but I loved him. He always had time for me. And I knew he was tired as I got older. I mean, I really knew that he was tired. And oftentimes when my dad would come home and my friends were there, they respected my dad. They respected him. And so when my dad would come home and I would get up to greet him and I'd open the door and I'd hug him and tell him what we're going to do that afternoon and won't you come join us and all of that. My friends would, would be there and sometimes they would get up, but most of the time they wouldn't. They would just sit in their chairs and they would just, you know, raise their hand. Hey, Mr. Ship, good to see you. All of that. And that was about it. And then my dad would go and he would change for the day and, and get comfortable and everything like that. And but for me, it was different. I got up and I went to him. You know why? He's my father. He's not their father. They don't have access to him like that. Because he's not theirs, but he's mine. And I watch that a lot of times when people go to church. You can tell when people go to church and it's the God that they worship. Because they're at a distance. They sit there, they wave their hand, they say, hey, God, thank you, I appreciate you, thank you for opening your house to me, thank you, I appreciate that. Then there are those who are there and they're like, no, this is my father. I'm going to go to him and I'm going to worship him. And I'm going to be with him and I'm going to adore him and I'm going to lavish him as my father and I would, as I grew up and I'm pastoring a church, my father would come over here and it was quite often he would sit in my office with me. 
And the first few times after he retired, he would come sit in my office with me. It was a little awkward. I'm like, Dad, you want to talk? What's going on? You okay? Because I had things to do. He said, no, I just want to be with you. You do whatever you got to do. I just want to be with you. And he would come and he would sit in my office. And sometimes he'd sit there and say, I do want to talk to you. I want to share my heart with you. I want to talk to you about some things going on in, in, in my life. My dad would begin to open his heart up to me and he would begin to share mature things with me. Because he knew he was about to die. And he, he began to share things with me about life. And I remember those moments with my dad. And that made me want to grow up. I'm a pastor when this is happening. It made me want to grow up. And I would pray and i say, God, my father in heaven, I want to grow up. I want to grow up so that you can just come and sit with me. And maybe there's not a lot of talking that goes on. Maybe there's not a lot of prayer requests that go on. You just want to be with me and I just want to be with you. And I want to get to the point, Father, where you can come and say, No, Lee, I do want to talk to you. I want to share some things with you about my heart and my concern and my burden for this world and for my church and for people because you've matured now. And now I want to be able to have conversations with you like this. I remember being with my dad as he battled his cancer. The doctors gave him six weeks to live. It hit him suddenly with pain. About two weeks later, he went to the doctor to be diagnosed. And the doctor said, you have about six weeks to live. And I can remember there were things that were pulling at me. But it was just like, I want to be with my dad. And I would spend every night with my father. And I remember times that he would fall on the floor in his bedroom And I would do everything I could to lift him and to get him back up and put him on the bed. But I couldn't lift him and I'd put myself under him and I could feel his tears just falling on me, having to do this with him. And he would say, you're loving me back. And we'd have to call fire department to come help us lift him and they'd put him in bed. And I remember we were at the hospice place before my father died and I was in the room with him and I was sitting on the edge of the bed and he was just there and he turned and he looked at me with the tears coming out of his eyes but they weren't pain he just said son I love you and I'll see you soon and he went and he went to be with Jesus and I just thought I love my father And as good as my father was and as imperfect as my father was, my heavenly father is so much greater. My heavenly father is so much more intimate. And I don't understand sometimes the way people do God. The lack of worship. The lack of adoration. I was never too old to kiss my daddy. I was never too old to hug my daddy. I always did, and I don't regret it. My friends would laugh at me, and they would make fun of me, and they would say, that's so silly. I mean, kids do that. What are you doing? I said, I love my father. My father loves me. You don't have a father like I do. And when I met the heavenly father through Jesus Christ, I was also mocked. I was mocked by my friends 
I was mocked by people in school. I was mocked by people in life. But they were jealous. And I said, you know, it's just the fact that you don't have a father like I do. You don't have a heavenly father like I do. I can't sit passively by while he arrives. I must go to him. And I must love him. And I want to close with this. It's a beautiful psalm. And if you will, I just want to read it to you. It's Psalm 139. I'm sorry. It is Psalm 144. And it's just a little portion here in verse 11. And David says, Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaks vanity and their right hand is the right hand of falsehood. Rid me of all of that. Deliver me from strange children. Those who really aren't in the family. Their mouths speak empty words. And they do things in secret that are wrong. Deliver me from that. That's not what my family's like. And let my sons be as plants grown up in their youth. This is poetic, obviously. But what it means is this, Father, will you bless my children? Would you bless my sons? And it's speaking specifically of sons. Would you bless my sons so that they are so rooted and grounded that when the winds and the storms of life beat against them, they're going to stand. And that's what it means there. Plants grown up in their youth. And that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished at the similitude of a palace. Smooth. Pure. Character. Strong. And that our garners may be full. Affording all manner of store that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets. Prosperity. Bless me, Father. Bless me. Bless my children. Bless my daughters. Bless my career. Help me, Father. I can't do this without you. Give me this prosperity. Let my oxen be strong. Maybe we would pray, let my truck get better gas mileage. Protect my home. Don't let anyone break in. And protect my going out when I drive out in the streets in this climate where it may, it may become very violent. There's murder in Baton Rouge every day and it could get really, really violent out there. Just even trying to get gas in the near future, it could get violent. So protect me when I go out, Father. And that there would be no complaining in our streets. God, give me a home. Give me a, a family. Give me a church where we're so blessed. How can we complain? And this is what I love. Happy is that people. That is in such a case. Yes. Happy is that people. Because God is the Lord. And I would add this in a New Testament context. Happy is that people. Whose father. Is the Lord. And my father. Is the Lord. And he loves me. He really loves me. And the people who are the children of God should be the happiest people in the world. Even if they're going through the greatest difficulties. It is good for unbelievers to find happy believers. 
And I'm not just talking about joy. I'm talking about the emotion of happiness. It is good for unbelievers to find believers happy and glad and rejoicing. It is good for believers to see other believers happy and rejoicing. Because God is my Father. The Lord is my Father. And my Father can do anything. And when I don't understand why, what is going on, I trust my Father. He's good to me and He loves me. And no good thing will He withhold from me. Why am I going through this, Father? If I were God, I'd do this. Yeah, but you're not God. You're still the Son. Son, trust me. I do, Father. I trust you. I trust your goodness. I trust you in the pain. I trust you in the adversity. I trust you in the success trust you and we should be happy and we should be a delightful people and don't let the children who are not of the house dictate to you how to worship the father father loves you love him back love him back and don't ever be ashamed or get too old or too dignified to kiss your God and worship and to love Him for He is the God of gods and the Lord of lords and He knows everything about you and He loves you with an everlasting love. And His thoughts about you right now are for such a blessing on your life. Why would His children not come to his open hand and say oh God bless me bless me father so that the world might see how wonderful you are I want you to stand with me I want us to just seek the Lord I want you to pray I want you to come before God I want you to worship him I just want you to worship him I want you to love him is that too much to ask just to love the Lord and whatever way the Holy Spirit shows you to do it, just worship the Lord. Happy is the man whom God corrects. Don't despise the chastening of your father. Happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. I will not turn away from them. I will rejoice over them to do them good with my whole heart and with my whole soul, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. You're a father to the fatherless. Without you, I'm an orphan. You've adopted me as your son. You've adopted me as your daughter. And I want to live with the privilege of being your son. I want to live with the rights, the birthrights of being your son of access to you I thank you for the way that you love me I know that there's a lot of people who are not as fortunate as me to have a father on earth like I did but we're all blessed and fortunate to be able to have you as our father and I thank you for your love for me I thank you, Lord, not only your ability to 
deliver and heal and rescue us from down here. But I thank you that you have given us an eternal home with you in the heavens. And nothing, nothing shall by any means separate us from the love of Christ. We worship you. We worship you. I thank you, Father. I'm not too dignified to love you, to worship you, to get up and greet you and walk with you, God. Come on, worship him with me. Just love him. Confess your love to him right now. His goodness to you, his mercy to you. Thank you, Lord. Let God be your father. Let him be your father.